What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Art of Craftsmanship podcast. My name is Dustin O'Hara, and I'm here with my brother and co-host, Devin. Hello. And we are joined by our special guest today, Adam Gray from AA Forge. How you doing? Good, man. All right, Devin, what do you got for us today? This was our intro into that world. We came in the tradesman entrance and set up our own gear. We were there at 10, ready to work at 10.30 sharp, expecting, expected to have two songs done by 1.30. Then we had an hour break for lunch, which we paid for. We would go around the corner to the Alma Pub in the back of St. John's Wood. We were young, and pubs were still grown-up places, so we'd have a ciggy and look older and order half a pint with a cheese roll. The chat would be about the session. Then it was back to the studio from 2.30 to 5.30. Those were the main sessions, two daytime sessions, in which you were expected to have completed four songs. Oh, man. <laughs> Any I, guesses who, who it is? Um, I, I'm going to guess... Um, and this is purely because I know you as my brother. That is it, is it a quote from one of the Beatles? Um, Adam, any any guesses? I'll let. Mm, not to be honest. Well, Dustin, kind of yes, st- you, you, <laughs> Dustin, you're right. All right, <laughs> that's <laughs> an easy one for you. And I guess you're thinking if I'm quoting a band, and it's obviously a British band with yeah, the pub British stuff. Band. Yeah, mm. I I was reading the uh, the Beatles anthology came out the uh, the documentary like in their words really great documentary in the early 90s and then i got a copy of the book from my friend guy and there's all this extra stuff in the book and i was just reading the beginning of the beatles and i like that as a story that's from uh, paul mccartney just talking about that was them getting started at emi that was them um starting a business getting things worked out and being efficient with their time, but right. also writing Beatles songs, <laughs> which <laughs> are obviously good. Anyone will tell you that. <laughs> so <laughs> I just like the, uh, the early days of that stuff. It seemed it's just a business. We'll get it done, but you can make great stuff. And also the crunch. I think that time crunch, like, hey, you got to do four songs a day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It probably was good for him. Yeah. Yeah, I I agree. I mean, I <clears throat> that quote definitely um it it rings true for my life right now. Um I have well, my family, uh, my wife and daughter is 11, so, you know, that my family life mm-hmm. and I'm a teacher, uh, so I'm teaching every day from 9 to 4:30 and then I have the art of craftsmanship you know, the channel that we work on and then mm-hmm. I have the podcast and I'm also taking classes at night for or you know, online classes for my certification for teaching. So right now it's like this crazy, every single minute of almost every day that I have is filled with something. And so like when you're reading that, I'm just like, man, that is like hitting true right now. But I think that also mm-hmm. just speaks to uh, like, 
I think our ability to push um, and to push yourself to do something which can then push great work out of you as well. Mm-hmm. Right. I was thinking. I was thinking, Adam, of you as a someone who has a business now and someone who puts mm-hmm. out quality work constantly. And obviously, you're doing it. I'm sure you have to keep to a schedule and you got to push your stuff and you got to go, okay, from this time to this time I'm working no matter what. Then I get a little break and then Mm -hmm. I keep going. I I was thinking of, of you uh, turning what I guess a passion into a business. Oh yeah. It's a, it's a constant struggle, especially if you're trying to be creative. Yeah. It's trying to balance creativity, productivity, trying to balance the, the quality and the speed and always trying to battle overhead and uh, pushing to be better and do it faster and more organized. Is always a constant struggle for any small business, especially if it's a craft-based business. Right. So yeah, it, uh, that the idea there really strikes home with me. Yeah. It's always a constant fight and battle to do better, to perfect it, to be more organized, and to always push the boundary on just doing it to a higher level every time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And you and you're yep. trying as a uh, mm. creative small business, mm-hmm. an artistic small business. It's mm-hmm. it's different than you you know we're not just making um uh, you know we're not just making books or something where you, yeah. you just you just pop That's them a, out and you know yeah, it's right. it's either good or bad. Mm-hmm. There's a lot you have to figure out how much time I want to put in this. Is it ever done? And when should I just say okay, it's done? Here mm-hmm. it is. This is your. Final and when is product. it becoming a more of a money pit than it is anything else? Sometimes, yeah, unfortunately, right, absolutely, yeah, and that you know I think. You know, you're saying that it's it's always a struggle to do better and make it more efficient and mm-hmm. you know, cover your overhead, mm-hmm. I, and that it's so true. I mean, from when you start and you're just you know doing it as a hobby and kind of pushing out and you're trying to you know balance how much money do you want to spend on this hobby before I start taking it seriously? When do mm-hmm. I put my other things aside and move into this full time? Oh yeah, you know, and then and then once you do it, then it's okay. Now I'm doing it and it's kind of working, but how can I do it a little bit better to be more mm-hmm. efficient? So. Even, I mean, you know, the people at the top are still thinking the same thing. You know, it's mm-hmm. like we had uh, uh, Andy Rawls, who's a woodworker and YouTuber on mm-hmm. um, one of our earlier podcasts, and he's he's right around the 500,000 subscriber mark. And, wow. you know, he had the same the same worries, the same thoughts that we do at the, you know, 90,000 subscriber mark yeah. on YouTube. And it's like it never really <laughs> ends. It just moves up to the next level. Yeah, it just, how you're it just kind of compounds and grows. It never changes, yeah. really. Yep, yep, yep. So, right yeah, yeah, I was going to say, I'm sure your worries, Adam, as <laughs> like, hey, I'm going to get out one knife, as mm-hmm. now you're up to a level like, hey, I got to get out five knives. It's just as, uh, oh yeah, <laughs> just, just as stressful. Yeah, yeah, and it's uh, it gets a little wearing at times. It's nice to get some easy work every now and then. Yeah, <laughs> I hear that. Um, <laughs> and I'll come back to that because I think that's a great topic. <laughs> mm-hmm. And Devin, Devin always comes to me. He's like, all right, this this week we're going to do it real quick. What can we do that we can shoot in two days? I'm like, oh, let's mm-hmm. try this. And then it always ends up being more. But, uh, <laughs> so I'm going to I'm gonna introduce our guest today. Adam Gray is uh, a custom knife maker, uh, owner and custom knife maker at AA Forge. Um, mm-hmm. And one of the things that always drew me to your work, and I've been following you on Instagram for at least the last three or four years. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Um, was you 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 mentioned this but you i really noticed it that you kind of balance this uh this love of tradition and what knives have been and come mm-hmm. from from a long time but then also intermix that with modern materials and modern design yeah. aesthetic and workflows and processes um you uh i think um 
one of the things as well is that you have like a, just a really beautiful way of balancing all those things and that's always stood out to me and it's it's inspired a lot of the knives that I have mm-hmm. designed and thought about when I kind of pull different ideas and I'm like okay I'm thinking about a new knife and I'll yeah. pull up different things online I always go to yours as well so welcome uh, I'd love for you to tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, like some of the history behind what what you've done and where yeah. you know how you grew your business how you became a knife maker and where you are now is a, a forge well what a story to compound or compact in just a couple minutes. <laughs> well, quite simply, um, I grew up, I'm, I'm a, a son of a police officer and history buff, whole nine yards. So that's, I grew up in that life around the tactical world and around being an outdoorsman and black powder shooting and rendezvous and all that stuff. So I just, I've always had a love for this, uh, this craft and, and some of the, the principles involved in it. And from a fairly young age, I had an interest in making knives and uh, started kind of piddling with it when I was about 15. Um, just pretty, pretty simple stuff. Literally just took a bunch of rocks, some mud, made a simple little forge, stuck a weed burner in it, and a bar of steel. Nice. <laughs> so it's That's very, awesome. very humble to start <laughs> and uh, learn from there. And um, always had a love for the history, for historical knives. Um, first yeah. started in that, started making knives that were kind of the colonial style, mm-hmm. uh, mountain man style, however you call it. Mm-hmm. And I uh, just learned a little more and a little more. Got a little more tools. Um, got a hold of Wayne Goodard's book, $50 Knife Shop. Mm-hmm. And that kind of revolutionized my thinking on it, on how to get set up as a knife maker. And I didn't need all the big fancy tools that I saw everybody have. Right. And uh, my dad always told me that. He said, a poor craftsman will blame his tools. Mm-hmm. And to this day, my number one sander I use is a Grizzly 2x72. Which most knife makers consider junk for a 2x72 grinder. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, But I love it, and I use it, and it works. Have to fix little things here and there every now and then. But I don't need the $3,000, the $4,000 grinders to do it. And uh, just a principle I try to go by. It's better to have the skill than the tool. Mm. And uh, But started the business in 2009. Uh, My brother and I, Aaron... That's where the AA comes from. Everybody always uh, asks. There's no I, two A's in Adam. <laughs> I was going to ask about and that. Adam, I, my name's Adam Ryan Gray, and there's no two A's. So where's the other A come from? It's my brother. And uh, <laughs> what, yeah, when I was in uh, when I was in high school and I took a driver's ed class, yeah. I, my class was AA Easy Driving, and uh, they, they called it AA Easy Driving because AA will put them in the front of the phone book. <laughs> two A's. I have been first. accused of that a few times. Um, <laughs> That's I said no. That wasn't even my thought at the time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we started together, and uh, we started where I would do one part and he would do another part, and then both of us kind of got to a point where uh, we just didn't feel like we were making a complete knife. Um, right. One of us doing blades, one of us doing handles and all that, so we decided to split different ways, and he uh, went off and started with his business, Gray Wolf Knives, and uh, I stayed with mine, and um, just grown from there. So it's been 11 years now. Uh, like you said, I've, I've tried to incorporate some of the historical aspects, things that I, I love growing up. And uh, just some of the um, the history, I guess you say, of such uh, such an ancient tool, yeah, and right. to bring it up into the modern world with modern materials, modern styling. Because uh, some guys get real real dogmatic on you have to do one particular style and nothing else. Mm. And I don't personally like that. I like to mm. do a little bit of everything. I like getting into chef's knives and hunting knives and EDCs and mm. and Bowie's and bushcraft. And bushcraft's kind of been the big one for me. But uh, I believe in being flexible, learning as much as you can there. And it's grown. Yeah, we have a, um, I guess, I don't know if it's a, uh, what would you call it? It's not a catchphrase, but it's like, 
on on at least on this podcast and our channel dustin's always trying new stuff so we're saying mm-hmm. we want to help you get into your next first project yeah. so your next like new thing which yeah. is i think we also talk about a maker switch right the first time you probably yeah. made that knife you went okay i don't have to go buy them mm-hmm. now anymore this is great yeah, yeah. You, can, you can make them it's not a fantasy it's not some magical thing or to a degree it's not yeah um I can make this and look here. This, this is a great thing I made from from mud and from some uh, scrap steel I found. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Like so that's that's mistake. been a big driving force for me. I like I said, yeah. I, when I first got started, it was only forged. Um, I, I had to learn over time. It's just uh, time management for forging is just is not real good if you're trying to turn it into a business. It's a lot of fun. But right. uh, I mean, I followed uh, like Tim Lively um, and. Um, Taigu and all the guys doing the needle travel bladesmithing and it was as few hand, few power tools as possible mm. and you learn from that that you don't need the gizmos and gadgets and go down to Walmart or Harbor Freight for every little thing you want right. uh, you learn to be a little more self-sufficient and if something breaks you can fix it if you need a tool you can make it it's kind of an old principle that's gone away over the years yeah, yeah I, I do love that about <clears throat> about smithing um, and forging yeah. is that like they're they're the number one people if they need you know you need a tool you're gonna make it mm-hmm. and that's I mean, so obviously for that craft if you're gonna you know you need a drift or you need you know a flatter oh, yeah. or a fuller I mean that's the point right you're you're there to shape steel so you shape mm-hmm. steel and make it the way you want it um, I just recently I would say within the last two years got into doing some forging and blacksmithing uh, yeah. just for fun um, and man it has been so much fun it's such a fun craft and it's one of those it's things addictive. that. I would have all, I always loved even when I was a kid, but mm-hmm. I never really had the opportunity and the opportunity to rise not too long ago to just take a kind of cheap class to get into it. And, oh mm-hmm. man, it's so much, so much fun. So great. <laughs> yeah. I still remember the first time I got exposed to blacksmithing itself and uh, kind of in a roundabout way led to the knife making is at a uh, pioneer festival a place called Coven- governor Bev's, which is not too far from here. Mm-hmm. And, uh, they had a, a little blacksmith shop, and there was a man there for years and years, and he just did a little blacksmith demonstration. He let me run the bellows one year while he was forging some hooks and things. And, uh, <laughs> he hooked you. I, oh, he hooked me. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's great. And it, was, it was just fascinating to me, the idea of using heat to manipulate steel. Mm-hmm. And uh, now, like I said, I've gotten into, I do stock removal almost principally now. Right. Um, because I try to push into some of the more modern steels. Um, steels that you just you really can't practically forge you can if you want the bragging right right but it's just not practical to forge steels like 3v and different stainless steels you can do more harm than good if you aren't really really careful mm-hmm. um, so unfortunately right. i don't do as much forging as i used to and i love to but uh hopefully in the future i got some ideas yeah i am um, one of the things that i've seen you do not as often, but occasionally I'll see like a forged knife or something with forged texture on it or like yeah. a, a chef's knife or a paring knife. And I'm always, I'm always like not necessarily surprised, but I'm, I'm like, Ooh, mm-hmm. I'm intrigued, you know, cause oh, there's yeah. that little bit, I didn't know, I didn't know the background. I didn't know that you had the, the smithing background first. Yeah. Um, that's where I came up with that pattern. Right. Um, when I decided to move into, uh, stock removal knives as my, the principal direction of my business. Yep. Um, I didn't want to lose that brute to forge finish. Yeah, I mean, I was doing Brute to Forge before it was really honestly popular. I would <laughs> right. do them, and guys on uh, like blade forms, and even some of the uh, some of the bladesmiths, the guys who forge stuff, would tell me it still looks dirty. Don't leave that forge finish on there. <laughs> so it, it, but it gives a character. I love yeah. it. Right. And um, so now, obviously, as you've seen, the Brute to Forge finish on hand forge stuff is just it's just in. 
Yeah, and everybody great, loves yeah. it. So I looked at a way, how could I recreate that yeah. on a stock removal knife? And I played and played and played with it. And I come up with a, a fairly simple thing. It's nothing revolutionary. It's a texturing hammer. It's just the way I do it to try to recreate that, that brute to forged finish on a stock removal knife. So it doesn't have to be completely polished. It has a blade that just screams to be used yeah. as opposed to sat on a shelf. That way the, the handles are nice and sculpted and beautiful because it, that's the contact with your hand. But the blade, which actually does the work, you're not afraid to scratch. Yeah, man, that's that's huge. <laughs> Every oh, yeah. time I I make a knife, I, you know, as as a user, I'm I'm fine to go dirty it up. But if I make a mm-hmm. knife for someone else, yeah, so many times they're like, oh, I don't want to do anything, or they'll like put it in their in their room and never use it. I'm like, oh. that's a tool, use <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah, I tell so guys beautiful. all the time when I when I see a knife, a guy sold it for whatever reason, um, and I see that it was never used. Yeah, it it hurts a little bit. Yeah, because <laughs> I put so much, I put a lot of time and a lot of effort and. I mean, just hundreds of hours of research and testing to make sure that it will work when it needs to. Yeah. And then it doesn't get used. <laughs> it gets it's a tool. It's like someone buying a hammer and sitting on the shelf because it just, it looks good. You don't want to use it. To me, <laughs> right. it doesn't make sense. And your 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 grandson or granddaughter is not going to thank you for keeping it clean. They they much, they're probably much, they're going to oh, like yeah. it a lot more if it's a little beat up. Like, oh, granddad yeah. must have done something here. Let me think. Oh, look at this. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's like a... It's like an instrument. Every time you get yeah. a nick in it, you just go, oh, that's more character. Nothing mm-hmm. wrong with that. Part of the story. Yeah, absolutely. It's kind of, exactly. a, it's just, it's important. I, I, I don't understand it, to be honest with you. That's why I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm really loving getting into the chef's knives a little bit here lately. Because um, yeah, I know folks will actually use those. Right, exactly. Yeah, it's, it's something yeah, every day. You, you, yeah, purpose built. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's, that's great. I had a, uh, I was thinking, Adam, yeah. uh, myself and Dustin, we have two other brothers. So I get, Mm-hmm. The brother thing. Now, oh, yeah. when your brother, when the second A moved away and started mm-hmm. his own knife company, there's there's got to be some uh, some healthy, I, I would hope, healthy competition back and <laughs> forth now. <laughs> uh, yes and no. Um, Aaron and I have never really been super competitive with each other. Um, really? Yeah, we, we kind of push each other, but we don't necessarily compete so much. Right. Now, as a young, I'm the oldest of three brothers and a sister right. he was always he was second under me and um he always wanted to be as good as me on everything no matter what it was when he was he's about four years he's four years younger than me <clears throat> and at one point we are obviously very different size range and all that stuff he just he had to do everything as good as me <laughs> but for whatever reason we've never really had that competitive must beat each other streak in each other mm. um i mean we're even bad enough we used to love playing paintball growing up nice. and we refused to play against each other <laughs> we didn't fight each other. And yeah. then everybody get mad at us because we did. We worked well with each other. And they say, okay, you two against everybody. All right. <laughs> Time for some fun. Heck but, yeah, there uh, you go. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, there's, there's right there. it's not so much competitive as we push each other. Yeah. Right. Doing better. I'm that way now with him because he's now back off doing his own thing. He worked with me a little bit again for the last uh, two years until just the beginning of this year. Mm-hmm. And uh, he decided to do a little bit different direction with his business. And we kind of got to a point where I couldn't give him necessarily enough work to make it worth his while. Right, um, right. So he's back off doing his again. And uh, he's off into kind of a new direction with stuff. And, I'm again, I'm not trying to beat him or compete with him. I, but I am kind of every now and then, are you getting this done? Are you getting that done? You're pushing a little harder, <laughs> pushing a little farther, getting uh, improving this, improving that, so on and so forth. Yeah. So yeah, there's, um, like I said, not competition, but definitely a lot of pushing. Yeah, I think I think there's um, between me and my brothers, and I'm the youngest. I'm the yeah. I guess the opposite side, right? Dustin mm-hmm. would be yeah. 
the older one. I'm five years behind him. Um, and then our other two brothers are a year, yeah. just a little over a year above me. So Devin's the last. I'm the third. Okay. Two older brothers. So on the other so end of the spectrum. We, uh, we're, we are competitive, but I know mm. once it becomes like your business and there's some mm-hmm. like money involved, it's only encouragement. Oh, and yeah. And any of that type of, you're not trying to, you wouldn't, you would never try to do anything to hurt your brother. Of course. It would yeah. all be friendly, helpful competition. Yeah. Like, hey, man, check out what I did. Isn't this awesome? I, can mm-hmm. you can you do this? Um, yeah. There's a little bit of that. And we have, I mean, our brothers are doing things and uh, starting YouTube channels, and we just want to ah, help, okay. them, help them and bring them up and, and, yeah. and help get them going. Um, yeah, I'd say we do a little bit to that level. Right. It is not so much bragging at each other or anything of that nature, just, uh, like you said, that drive. Yeah. Can you can you do it too? Yeah, I like I like how you said that, you know, when you guys would do paintball, like, you mm-hmm. wouldn't you wouldn't go against each other, and there's some of that you kind of brother pride there. We always yeah. had, um, we always had a ton of pride for our family, mm-hmm. and we, you know, it, to the point where people people would be like, "What do you mean? You know, what do you what, you know? Can you do this or you can't do this or why would you know this?" And then yeah. we'd we go to like start up, and they'd be like, "Oh, never mind. We know it's because you're the O'Hara brothers." You know, mm-hmm. that's you know, <laughs> so it was it was definitely a point of pride that we were we were yeah, like unless you got unit. a couple of brothers, you just don't understand it, yeah. especially if you're halfway close in age and. And you grew up together, and it's just there's a bond there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I have um, I have a daughter, and my my wife and I were trying to have another another mm-hmm. child uh, back in 2011, and mm-hmm. my my wife went through breast cancer and all, and so it's uh, not it's not feasible at this point for us to have mm-hmm. another child, which is fine. Our daughter is amazing and wonderful, and we mm-hmm. love her, but there is something I always thought that like it would be nice to have a couple kids because I always loved that relationship between my oh, brothers. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was fun growing up with uh, three other siblings, yeah. especially from my brother Aaron and I, because we were uh, we were four years apart. Our mom had some health issues, so she couldn't have kids as close as she wanted. Right. And uh, so the the other two, our other brother and sister, they're significantly younger than us. So it's kind mm-hmm. of like us two and them. Right. And mm-hmm. even then, it was it's just nice to have some siblings, and that's what I wanted for our boys. We got three boys, and yep. uh, but they're all real close, and already they're uh, they are stuck together like glue. That's that's great. <laughs> yeah. I think that's um, that's also a nice thing about, I would say, in general terms, mm-hmm. boys together. Yeah. There's less any any time I've you know you, you talk about sisters, it's usually <laughs> there's a little bit more. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, know, a little bit of anger, a little bit of cattiness. I, you know, who, who knows what it is? But for for some reason, the brother thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, you fight and you yell at each other maybe, and you and you you wrestle and, and well, scuffle. But well, my boys, and, I mean, I made them toy swords. Something they can actually fight with, right. and they're 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 bleeding. One minute, the next minute, they're standing up for each other. Right, right. exactly. So I thought lightweight PVC with with some pipe insulation foam on it, nice and soft <laughs> and lightweight. Next thing I know, they're busting each other. <laughs> That's but don't awesome, you, man. That's but don't you dare cross one because the other one's standing up. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, well, he shoulder to shoulder. And I I remember my mom. I didn't understand it till I had kids. But she joked about that because she'd all these people. I can't believe you have boys. It must be terrible um, because we're you know we're young and we're terrorizing everything, yep. wild getting into stuff. And then when we all got to our teens, they wish they had the boys. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> like you said, that that sister sister rivalry and it's the the emotions and um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, my dad would not have handled it very well. It's just these. I don't know if I could handle it very well. To be honest with you. 
thankful I have right on the edge of it. So (laughs) yeah, (laughs) yeah, I'm a little worried. I have uh, a, I don't know. We might have more kids, but right now we got, I got my daughter. I'm a Mm -hmm. little worried when she comes to that teenage age, if there's something I'm angry about, I can't just necessarily bust into a room. Mm-hmm. Be like, hey, what's going on? Because if she's changing or anything, yep. I'm stuck. Like, oh, I, I'm uh, uh, dead. Yell at me, and then yep. I gotta, I gotta retreat. And then I've lost any power position I had there. Yep. <laughs> it's different with boys. It's, you won't listen. You're right. You lost your door. Yeah, right. Right, exactly. <laughs> I don't care if you're naked. Come out here right now. Mm-hmm. Come here. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just a different world. Right. And, it's definitely uh, a different world. That's hilarious. Yeah. Oh man, that's great. That's so much fun. Yeah, and I just think. My mom always said that the same thing, like, you know, boys are tough, you know, they're rambunctious, but just so mm-hmm. much fun. Like, we just had mm-hmm. so much fun growing up with, you know, the mom and our dad. And I remember uh, when we were kids, you know, we'd, we'd be fighting and you'd be angry and we'd go and yell at my mom, or, you know, to my mom mm-hmm. or dad and try to, like, get them to come in. They'd be like, all right, fine, we're going to lock you all in a room and you could kill each other. Go ahead. You know? yep. And then you're like, oh, wait, wait. I don't want to kill him. You know, I'm angry, but it's, I love that. You're like, you gave your, your boy some swords. There you go. Yeah. You really don't like him. Yeah. See what happens. Well, it was supposed to be for healthy sport, but they're being the usual boy thing and they're trying to one up each other and it escalates very quickly. <laughs> so, so I'm, I'm thinking about that. I'm thinking you said you're influenced by kind of historical stuff. Kind of, yeah. I guess, I guess the mountain man, early America's style thing. Mm-hmm. And you're out, are you out in Ohio? Yes, sir. Right. In Southwest Ohio. Right. So you're you're out there where people were, were headed out and really, really, uh, yeah, doing their thing. We're we're East Coast, so everything yeah. is uh, we're right yeah. outside. Well, we're at Baltimore County, so yeah. obviously all this was eventually uh, early early wild. Mm-hmm. Um, so your your influences were history, or were there movies or books that that got you on um, this this blade path? Well, like I said, my father was a history buff. Um, he grew up wanting to be Daniel Boone to put it simply (laughs) I mean he grew up in that generation Daniel Boone was on TV and everything else and he's from Kentucky my grandparents are from Kentucky so that's kind of the roots of it Uh, I read a lot of the books on Daniel Boone that he had had Uh, I can't remember the titles of them off the top of my head The Frontiersman um, but some of the Frontiersmen Frontiersmen around this area and um, uh, I guess as far as movies stuff like Last Week and things like that always intrigued me and uh, Yeah. yeah I just I grew up going to the rendezvous and, and the black powder shoots. The National Muzzleloading, Muzzleloading Rifle Association shoot is just an hour and a half away from me in Friendship, Indiana. Mm. And so we go out there, and I mean, you can just smell black powder in the air, the gunfire at the gun range, and you go through all the booths and all the handmade tomahawks and knives and clothes and guns and just all that stuff. So I, at a very, very young age, I was just hooked on it. And uh, so I, I ended up growing up being a bit of a history buff myself with my dad and, and reading about the, the colonial times in America in the 1700s through the, the French and Indian War, up through the Revolutionary War, up into the 1800s and the, the, um, the War of 1812 and just all that. Just I was, I was hooked on that for quite some time. And uh, that had a, a pretty big impact on uh, as far as my knife making career and the, the direction I started anyway. Yeah. Yeah, right. I, I agree hundred percent, and that's I think that's something that we all did, you know, growing up, especially as boys. Mm-hmm. And we grew up on a farm, so yeah. it was always just like out in the woods, getting, you know, limbs to make bows and mm-hmm. you know, and little pocket knives. We got we all got pocket knives really pretty early because we had you know bales of hay to cut up and do you know Same here. horses and stuff. Yeah, I grew up. We yeah. always joke we did grow up in a hole in the woods. In fact, you could only see my parents' house from a satellite image because <laughs> it's, it's a hole in the middle yeah. of the woods. And, uh, yeah, every summer doing hay and 
Yeah, we had horses and all that stuff. So yeah, I did the same way. I grew up in the woods, out in the country, yeah. riding horses. Uh, not so much farming as much as, except for baling hay in the summer, making right. a, a killing through the summer as a teenager. But uh, <laughs> so yeah, I, around here is it's a lot more populated than you think in Southwest, especially because in Cincinnati, and then you got Dayton up in Montgomery County, just far, just a little bit north of us. Yeah, and uh, we're kind of in a nice area. It's in between the big cities. Yeah, right on. But so I wanted you to uh, talk a little bit about, and I guess this kind of also goes into you know going yeah. back into your tradition that, and you mentioned earlier about uh, liking different styles and wanting to do different different styles and not mm-hmm. trying to like kind of you know pigeonhole yourself into one thing. Yeah. Um, and one of the things that I noticed that I I see that very evidently in your work is in your. Uh, in your handle styles yeah that you do a bunch of different type of handle styles as far as like you know different materials and then you'll do you know antler and mm-hmm. um, like you know wrapped handles and they all kind of pull from different uh, different traditions I know that obviously mm-hmm. you know antler and and different you know natural materials may be pulled more from like the yeah. historical colonial area and then you know wrapping handles and things like that I've seen definitely you have the kind of that Japanese and Asian um, influence yeah. as well yeah yeah um. <laughs> my wife gets on me all the time. I can't sit still on some of this stuff. I'm always, <laughs> I got just pages and pages and pages of designs and stuff that may never see the light of day, but I got the designs anyway. But, yeah, um, <clears throat> yeah I like a little bit of anything. Um, I don't like, I never wanted to be one of those knife makers that picked the wood lure and did only wood lure styles. Yep. Mm. Or did pick Skaggle and did nothing but Skaggle. I like Skaggle knives, but they're not good for everything. Um, and I like wood lures, but they're not good for everything. Right. So I'm, I'm, I just always thought if I'm going to be a knife maker, I'm going to make something as many, as much variety, as much uh, variety of jobs that can be done, so on and so forth. And uh, every knife is different. Every task sometimes needs a different knife. You're not going to necessarily want to use a kitchen knife to butcher a deer. Right. Um, you're not going to want to necessarily EDC a kitchen knife either. But at the same time, I mean, it's, and it's, it also goes to the, uh, I like pushing myself. I like trying to, to learn something new. I like trying to find um, something that I don't necessarily know well and learning it. Right. So sometimes I'll find something. I love the Japanese style. I grew up in the 90s with the Ninja Turtles and all that. So <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> there's just there's a little bit of that in there as well. So I, I, so I like the Japanese style. And there's a lot of history to the warrior culture to them and all that that I respect. And I um, thought, well, let's find a way to do it my way. Something a little bit unique. Try to do anyway. That's a yeah. big thing. It's trying to be unique. And in the world of knives, that's a hard thing to do these days. Yeah. And right. One thing that's unique is doing a, a, kind of a little bit of everything. Because like I said, some guys get kind of dogmatic in things. Mm-hmm. And they won't they won't push the envelope. And uh, I like yeah. I like pushing the envelope as much as yeah. I can. Yeah. Yeah. I feel, and I feel like a, a bored, creative person, their mm-hmm. quality goes down. I mean, maybe. I'm sure you could continue to to keep your quality. But mm-hmm. you got to keep yourself interested, right? Because that's... I'm sure when you started, mm-hmm. um, it was what you thought you would want. Exactly. So, and then you got to keep that. When you get into it, as a, as a, especially a really getting into the craft side of it, if you're not learning and you're not growing, you're dying. Mm-hmm. At least that's my opinion on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's you've always got to be trying to grow, um, trying to improve something. I mean, you can get into the. Uh, I've. You know, I've attained and I've gotten to where I want to get, and then never grown beyond that. And then the 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 whole community just kind of goes past you. Yeah, absolutely. And 
I, like I said, to me, it just seems like it's 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 more about swimming than floating, if that mm. makes sense. Yeah. Um, just trying to trying to trying to get better at it, trying to progress it a little bit. And if you just get you just get get into the mundane, this is what we do, this is how we do it, and that's yep. the end of it. It just kind of dies. Yeah, I was listening uh, to the Knife Talk podcast, which uh, came out, mm-hmm. um, the one that came out, I think, a week and a half ago, two weeks ago, with uh, Aaron Goff, a knife maker, yeah. Aaron Goff, and he um, he does one knife, and mm-hmm. but but he he's always pushing himself to try a new technique or push mm-hmm. like he's just pushing and pushing and pushing, and so it's he has that same thing, and I, I would like listen to him talk about that. I was like, oh, that's mm-hmm. it's intriguing, it's interesting to try to take one knife and make it better and better and better. But yeah. I'm the same way as you. I, I like all like different style knives, like bigger knives and smaller knives. Mm-hmm. I'm definitely more of a. Uh, like a utilitarian i think all of my knives have a utility to them and i don't push yeah. it too far past its utility like I, it doesn't need to have it doesn't need to need to be a certain past a certain size it doesn't need to be a certain shape it doesn't mm-hmm. have to have flair to it but it needs to work really well and to its mm-hmm. utility and then the craftsmanship craftsmanship has to be high oh yeah and that's like the one thing that we push on the channel is that everything that that we work on and like you said earlier about having you know you you can do stuff with really expensive tools, but mm-hmm. it's about what you do as a craftsman and how mm-hmm. you push yourself and how you move forward and how you, you use the tools that you have to show the best of your ability at that time. And that's really something that we try to do. And I see that in your work as well, which is just always yeah. super, super inspirational. Yeah. It, um, it's, uh, I hate to say it. I mean, I, I know of knife makers that use top tier tools and have a name. And when I actually got to see their work in person, I was not as impressed as I thought I would be. Mm. Um, maybe even to the point of being a bit um, discouraged or disappointed. Right. Um, so yeah, a man who even even excluding the style, uh, if you if you're going to do one knife, one type of knife, and but always try to strive for better, mm-hmm. um, because otherwise it just gets it just die, it just gets dead to you, and. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then yeah, it starts then it, to show. Your customers yeah. will notice it quick. Yeah, exactly. A, uh, then it becomes it just becomes the job and not the passion anymore. There's, yeah, there's a, no more passion than you're better off getting a nine to five. Yeah, plain right. and simple. Because <laughs> uh, there's no I, one. If you don't have passion, you're not working sixteen hour days on a regular basis to get better and and try to make ends meet at it and, and so on and so forth and actually do well. Uh, you have to have passion for it. Yep. Yeah, I agree. Uh, as Dustin's making more and more knives, pretty much every time we're done a video for the channel or he's come out with something, he's shown it to me like, mm. I think this might be my best knife. Mm-hmm. It's, it's it's a constant, like, this is great. I'm, I'm, yep. It's constantly, everything's getting tighter. Everything's, and that's everything, what it should just, be. everything just tightens up. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, yeah, that's definitely the way it should be. Should it, I mean, there, <clears throat> there will come a point with some things that, you kind of get to a point where there can't be a lot of growth in it right. um, because right. some things you can only get so perfect. Yeah. But then that's, that's where I go, well, okay, then let's change it up and do something a little different. Mm-hmm. And let's, okay, now I'm going to learn something new. For example, I'm now kind of getting back in the leather work a little bit. I haven't done it for eight years mm. and uh, I was never real good at it. And I just decided I want to perfect it and I want to do it well. So I'm getting back in the leather work now doing this, doing some of my sheaths and different things. That's cool. Yeah, I was going to ask about that because that's one of the things that you don't show a lot in pictures is sheaths. And um, 
yeah, I was curious uh, about that. I'm, well, that's because for the last um, eight years or so, I've used sheath makers. Yeah. Because I wasn't real good at making a sheath, and I, other than giving a man a folded piece of leather that was stitched and held a knife, right? I wanted him to have better than that. Right. Because mm-hmm. I told him, I said, you're going to get a knife from a knife maker and a sheath from a sheath maker. Yeah. Um, and that was kind of my philosophy for with the sheaths. I worked hand in hand with a few different guys. Right now, I'm, I work a lot with Badger Claw Leatherworks. Yep. Uh, John at Badger Claw Leatherworks, real good man, does good work. And I know a whole bunch of other leather workers. I recommend. You know, like, uh, there's a couple up in Canada, One Tree Leather, and different ones uh, for folks who are in Canada and don't want to send stuff back and forth over the border. Mm-hmm. And uh, but I just uh, kind of got it stuck in my craw lately. I'm, I want to get good at doing leather work <laughs> and uh, have it coming from me once again. Yeah, I agree. And it, it, I, I have the same kind of the same mindset. I, I like the idea of doing it, um, mm-hmm. being, you know, doing each part of that process. Oh um, yeah. But I, but it's funny. I tell, I've told other people over this as well, that I, I really enjoy making knives. Like mm-hmm. it's every part of it. I love it. I'm having fun the whole time. Not so much with leather. You know, mm-hmm. like I, I feel like I'm comp, like I'm comp, comp. I can, I can do, I'm competent with mm-hmm. leather yeah. work and I can do work and I'm, and I will do it because I think it's important mm-hmm. on my end to have that part, you know, of the thing that I'll make that I give yeah. to somebody. But it's, you know, I, I'm not necessarily enjoying it. You know, it's it's very. You're starting to, me, to sound like me when I started. It's <laughs> kind of a yeah, necessary evil. <laughs> yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. There's it's it's very like process oriented. It's mm-hmm. there's not a ton of additional art and craft in it in it and i think that's yeah. what to me it's like okay it's just the end product right at the end like you said it's it's a folded piece of leather that's stitched together mm-hmm. um and i take pride in making sure that it, it again it's it's as good as i can make it it's mm-hmm. the craftsmanship is good all the lines line up the stitching is clean mm-hmm. you know everything's burnished and and clean but but i don't enjoy it as much so it's not something mm-hmm. that I, I look uh, it's not like i look forward to it you know yeah, well, we, yeah i understand that we yeah. were um we were comparing it i guess it was like not only were we saying this is kind of a craft thing, like mm-hmm. uh, you do arts and crafts almost mm-hmm. because you get out like your little craft kit and you're, you're I mean, you can do exacto knives or something uh, bigger mm-hmm. than that. But it's it's a baking situation instead of a cooking situation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You right. have to have your steps, your exacting steps. I need to measure oh, yeah. this out here. I got to have a, a one cup of this. Right. I got to <laughs> yeah. put these exactly here. And if yep. you don't do those steps right, your your bread's not going to come out. Your bake's not going to be right. Oh it's, yeah. It's not like I mean knife knife making and other other things like that. Axes doing axes and getting the bows right that we do. Mm-hmm. There's a little bit of room. You know, you, you're mm-hmm. sanding, you're working it, and you're trying stuff out. You're throwing in spices, but I feel mm-hmm. like a, a, a nice sheath is a is a you're you're baking. That's like a baking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Funny. Some of the stuff I do with my knives, I feel like it's the same thing sometimes though. Right. Because yeah, yeah. I I, yeah. I have so, I do some things ways that other men don't, right? And sometimes it creates a process that uh, um, I'm trying to use an example. Like for example, you'll find very common in the knife world guys who use super glue to glue together liners and, and the spacers and mm-hmm. different components to a knife handle, mm-hmm. just to layer them up and get scales ready. I won't do that. I re- I refuse to use super glue for anything structural on a knife. Yeah, I feel um, the same way. I see that. When I see that, I'm like, really? Super glue? And it's from some big name makers. Yeah. I don't want to name anybody. I agree. Yep. But I, I know I have I customers who have completely switched to my knives because of this. They've had multiple knives from some of these guys that have actually come up. The liners oh, and the scales geez. are coming apart. Not coming off the knife, but they're delaminating themselves. Yeah. And 
I understand with natural woods and things, things can happen, obviously. <clears throat> but some of it is entirely because they want to be able to put a little glue on it. In 20 minutes, they're starting to assemble. I use yep. G-Flex for every mm-hmm. component. It's an incredibly strong Aero Marine epoxy. But it means I have to wait 7 to 10 hours after layering the scales before I can put them on the knife. Mm. And then it's 7 to 10, 7 to 10 hours after they're on the knife before I start shaping the handle, preferably more. So it's it's one of those things that if you want to do it fast, you want to do it right. Right. Yeah, and so that has that has that has that feeling of that process, right? You know, you mm-hmm. have, but I think again there's you know it goes back to there is some you're you're making creative choices on you know what things to put together yeah. how to you know then obviously once it's all together then how to shape it and you know how are you going to do a coke bottle or are you going to do a straight handle is it you know is it going to be a drop point or is it going to have a clip point yes yeah. yeah, so there's like so there's so much variation in creativity and yeah, what you can what you do but then obviously of course all of it is process and especially when mm-hmm. i think when you get to your level and you're doing multiple knives it just makes sense efficiency of time to be able to you know grind all your blades and then heat treat all your blades and glue up all your handle scales you know you have your processes to be efficient yeah Yeah. when you when you get to the point of doing it uh, as a living like i have been for the last uh seven years now um i can't believe it's been seven years already it's coming up (laughs) on eight years actually wow but uh yeah you've got to have processes down you've got to be organized yeah um i kind of miss the days of just freelancing doing what i want but Mm. You've got to do things in order, or you end up finding yourself at the end of the week with no money. <laughs> Unfortunately, <Yeah. laughs> right. there's got to be some organization. This has to be done this day. This has to be done this day. This is going to take so long. While well, I have this appointment or whatever, I have to take care of. So I got to work it around that. And yeah, I mean sometimes uh, the work schedule goes to midnight. Unfortunately, yep. but it's got to be done on that said day. Otherwise, it's going to ruin the rest of the week. And uh, as an example, I mean I had I had a, a tool breakdown on me yesterday and spent. Uh, two and a half hours rewiring it, um, which pushed work a little yeah. late, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> but it had to be done, or today would have been ruined. Right. Yep. Yeah, it's um, a uh, it's a funny thing. Dustin will do the same thing. I um, mm-hmm. I shoot and edit all the videos that we that we make, um, and the glue part. You have to do it right, but mm-hmm. it's a pain in the butt for <laughs> for video yep. making. Because we're like, oh, I guess we're done for now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll be like, hey, how long does it have to sit up? He's like, probably overnight. Like, oh, okay. Yeah. Like, we're done. Wrap it up. I'll see, you <laughs> yeah. I'll see you tomorrow in a few days. Yeah. That is a nice thing, though. If you, if you can stage it right when you're doing multiples, you then move on to a different project. Yeah. Mm. Um, and sometimes if you can get creative and work things together, I mean, there'll be, uh, I get all the scales together and I've got them all gluing and curing and now I'm going to grind some more blades mm. and work on the, start on the next batch and, and things like that. Right, and it's it's just trying to use the time wisely. It's yeah. real easy to sit back with a cup of coffee and uh, <laughs> say, "Well, I'm waiting for glue now." Right, but, <laughs> use uh, that as an excuse. Yeah, it can be a very easy excuse, unfortunately. <laughs> right, <laughs> um, Adam, I want to ask you. Uh, yeah. Do you remember the first knife that you made where you were impressed with your own work? Hmm. To be honest. I don't know if I have ever have been impressed with my own work. Oh, come <laughs> on, man. <laughs> I am, you could ask my wife. I'm not being humble in this. I am my worst critic. Mm. Um, I never think I do it good enough. Never think I do it fast enough. Mm. And I never think I make my customers happy enough. Um, I'm a pretty bad critic on, my, critic on myself. Um, well, that that is a good way to keep growing. So let's say, how about this? I'll, I'll reframe the question. Uh, 
Do you remember the first knife where you thought, I can sell this? Uh, a couple years ago, maybe. I had one I had done that I really wanted to keep. <laughs> so I guess I would qualify. It was, I like this enough, I would keep it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if that makes sense. It's yeah. it's something I was I was satisfied with enough that it would be what I would make for myself to use. Uh, and right. I put up with imperfections that I would never give to a customer. But right. uh, it was one where I would say, this is one I, I'm happy, happy and happy with it. And I think he'll be satisfied with it to the point that it would be a knife that I would cherish. Mm. Um, nice. And it was, uh, it was actually my Nomad model. And it was just a certain arrangement, the way it worked out. It just came from, for me, it was just, it was just right. Um, but most of the time, I'm, I'm really one of those, like I said, I've been doing this for 16 years now. And uh, I'm never truly satisfied or say proud of anything I've done. Mm. Always trying to impress myself and haven't accomplished it quite yet. Mm. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's, well, I, I don't, I'm glad you're humble. I'm glad you're pushing <laughs> it. But I got to say, I have been inspired by your knives for a long well, time. I appreciate that. <laughs> Just, and, and I think it's, it, it's a combination of, I mean, you know, not necessarily... Not that any of this is bad, but not mm. not the styles, not the shape of the knife, not the handle, mm. not the not any one thing, but just there's something about the overall quality and mm-hmm. the the attention to detail, the quality, the design, all of it just they they definitely speak to my aesthetic as a knife mm. maker. And so <clears throat> like I said, I've you know, I've just you've been on my Instagram for a long time and, and I always well, I appreciate, appreciate the pictures that pop up and um, I actually one of the knives that I really like uh, your style is the is the Puko. Um, yeah, and I love. I think it might have been one of the first knives that I've seen where you have a uh, an even taper from the middle of the handle mm-hmm. down to the blade, mm-hmm. um, and then you know out to the the point. But there's a there's an even taper that goes down from the the top of the handle and the bottom of the handle and into the blade, mm-hmm. and then you have kind of the scoop on the backside which goes to the back of the knife. And I think yeah. that's the first time I really saw that where you know the top of the handle um, had a similar shape to the bottom of the handle where yeah. you're thinking about that palm swell on the top and the bottom and mm-hmm. that that knife man that's that's been a big inspiration for kind of things that I've thought about and planned on and, and put in my aesthetic yeah. since then it's a great yeah. knife <clears throat> I, I did excuse me yeah I did the uh, the Puko um, the Puko was just starting to catch on all of a sudden so I thought well I want to do a Puko I have Norwegian blood I need to have a Scandinavian knife of some sort um, so I designed it, but I wanted to do it different. And the palm swell in that is what came to me of, it's a guardless knife, yep. and it usually scares everybody to death. Uh, with a little bit of basic knife handling skill, it's, it's plenty safe. But um, I wanted to make it in a way that would really lock your hand in without a guard. Mm-hmm. And that's where the palm swell and the swoop on the back all came from. Yep. The, that point for lack of a better term it's not really a point but it's more of an apex on the palm swell hits i wear a large glove large to medium depending on the brand and that hits right between my ring finger and my middle finger Mm. the idea is that it hooks your hand in but instead of having your hand butt against something it hooks your hand in in the back or in the the grip itself so that even if you're working with the tip you can't slide onto the blade all right 
yeah, it's it's a beautiful design, and and I think again it kind of relates back to uh, the yeah. tradition of pucos and having that you know the the transition directly from the blade you know mm-hmm. from the handle into the blade without a guard. Um, and I agree, there's there's something really beautiful about that. There's something really simple about the design, and I always go back to the fact that I love yeah. simple designs that do the right thing and that aren't super mm-hmm. fancy. Um, I've made a bunch of different designs, but that's for my my own uh, design that I'm that I kind of came up with and made a, yeah. a prototype on the channel of the journey um that knife specifically has that as well where there's an even taken yeah. you know kind of from the where the actual back of the handle swoops up and the bottom of the handle is relatively flat um yeah that, i, I that don't feeling. remember which video it was or which project i remember you did a um basically a puko and you had done it with the facets on the handle yep mm-hmm. kind of the octagonal shape yep that's, that's the journey yeah yeah i, I liked that one because i i love faceted handles yeah. I'm trying to win some of the bushcraft crowd over to it, but they aren't quite, they aren't having it yet. But uh, <laughs> yeah. I just, I love a faceted handle because it gives you such reference for the edge. And yep. uh, if you mm. do it right, you won't get a hot spot. Right. Yeah. And that's, and that's one of the reasons why I made it that way is the same thing. Mm. I really like the idea of a faceted handle. It does, it does kind of, it feels really nice in the hand. Mm-hmm. Um, but I made the, the prototype with the intent to use it which i've been doing all this summer to kind of feel how it would feel and i ended up uh tapering from you know the the bolster end and the end of the handle up yeah. to the middle on both sides as well as the facets around so it's still faceted but it also tapers mm-hmm. front to back so it does fill out a little bit more in the middle of your hand which i think yeah. is important and it feels a little better but um that's one of those things where i wanted to play with that design and live with it for a while before i put it out you know with the intent to like Mm-hmm. make a small batch run and, and try to sell some uh, this yeah. uh, winter or, you know, into the spring. Well, I say you go for it. Yeah. I like it. I like how it turned out. Nice. Thank you. Uh, I'm honored. <laughs> <laughs> I'm um, a knife nut, so I can't help it. And, and then it just, you did it right, in, in my opinion. I, like I, said, I like faceted handles. I like Pucos. And I think it was a good blend. Nice. Thank you very much. Um, uh, go ahead, Def. I was going to say, um, the great thing about not just a straight wooden handle is that Mm -hmm. anyone will be even if they're not into knives they -hmm. can see that it's different right away right Mm -hmm. you have the resin and all types of interesting uh looks to it yeah it's it takes some work and maybe some people might poo poo you know Mm -hmm. resin or something that's not just Mm -hmm. wood but it's a great thing that everyone can immediately see that it's interesting or that it has some value i Mm -hmm. think and and there's nothing wrong with that because uh, i i was showing my wife some of your knives Mm -hmm. and she liked them you know she's not necessarily in knives and whatnot but she oh that looks great that's cool that's that's really nice anyone can be into it you don't have to find a uh a knife Mm -hmm. freak to uh (laughs) be into the style of thing you're putting out yeah yeah Yeah, i like the um the multi-piece handles um Mm -hmm. A lot of work, especially laying them out, getting yeah. everything flush and fit just right. I spent a lot of time at a disc sander with a 90-degree plate, <laughs> making sure it's squared and flushed and and fit just so to make sure that everything's going to be right. And uh, But I think the end result is worth it. Um, I didn't realize, I guess, what I was doing um, until after a blade show of last year. And I had a whole bunch of knife makers tell me that it was my fault that they had to start doing more complicated handles. I went, <laughs> nice. It's a little old me, and now you're doing it because of that. But uh, yeah, I was I was kind of shocked that I, I apparently had a a little bit of an in, uh, an impact on the knife world, um, which is uh, 
I guess saying something. Yeah, but, absolutely. Uh, so yeah, it, it, it does. It, it's a little more eye catching, and it, I like the. So they have a kind of goes back to what we were talking about before. Bolsters on knives are nothing new, right? But how can we do it different? Mm-hmm. How can we keep the tradition and make it a little nicer? And that's where I'd come up with that idea of um, you're going to do something like a um, a beautiful wood, a burl or something, which is not known for being the most durable and this and that, and then put a little and then use micarta up front. Mm-hmm. So the section locks into the sheath and might get abused by the wood that you're batoning or something is a hard, dense modern material while the back half of the handle is your nice beautiful burl it doesn't get damaged Mm. Um, also nice if you do kydex because Mm. kydex tears wood to pieces Mm. so doing the micarta up front and the wood in the back means now you can have a nice wood handled knife with a kydex sheath Um, Ah. which some people just love yeah that's uh i I've been interested in Kydex for a while, and obviously mm-hmm. I see it all the time. And, and it is it does have such a a nice ability to kind of snap into your knife, yeah. and you know it really does it secures it well, waterproof, you know, mm-hmm. easy to relatively easy to make, clean. Um, there's something really beautiful and natural about leather that I love, which is why I, I keep going back to leather. But but uh, I've never heard that about Kydex that so it can kind of you know can be a, like a wear on the front of of the knife. Yeah, it's, it's just the density issue is all it is because you got. Kydex is actually quite hard, mm. and uh, it can be rough on a wood handle. Not always. It depends on the wood. Something like an iron wood handles it really, really well. Right. Um, a d- good, dense, stabilized burr will handle it good. Um, but if you use something like uh, maple, walnut, um, anything of that nature, they can, they, you can, even Osage, surprisingly, will get scuffed and, mm. and, and pressed in a little bit by Kydex. Mm. But... Uh, so yeah, sometimes if you have a wood that might be a little questionable on it, it's not a bad idea to have the micarta up front on the knife. And it just kind of it eliminates that variable entirely of damaging that expensive handle. Yep. Mm. Um, speaking of that, do you... Uh, what what other materials do you use? Do you, do you use G10 or you stick with micarta normally for uh, handle material? Or I know you do use we have a couple hours to list all the materials I work with? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I know you use all sorts of fun stuff. <laughs> I, I work with anything, honestly. Yeah. Um, yeah. <clears throat> what I have on the website, if I remember correctly, it's like 40 options. Oh, wow. Um, I, I, at one point, I had 67 options on the website oh, and had to cut it down a little bit. Um, <laughs> so you cut down and that's just stuff that I buy normally and work with, but I work with practically anything. I've tried stuff from uh, copper, space coral, carbon fiber to hybrid woods, um, about any stabilized wood you can think of, yeah. um, burlap macartas. I mean, I work with all kinds of stuff. I <laughs> there's been a few things that I bought it thinking this is going to be beautiful. It was a nightmare, <laughs> absolute <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> nightmare. And on that word, if everybody anybody ever asks you about, uh, I think it's called space coral carbon fiber. It's a copper carbon fiber mix. Oh wow! Avoid it. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> beautiful stuff when it's done, but it it ruins even carbide drill bits. Oh, um, heats up carb, uh, copper heats up so bad under a grinder so you oh, mine yeah. that with a carbon fiber and it's it's just it gets hot quick you're <laughs> always dunking the knife and keeping it cold even with a sharp belt and uh, so yeah I, I do a little bit of everything in fact I have a knife that just came in it's an old knife of mine and a man bought uh, some stabilized mammoth ivory oh, wow. and he Ooh. wants me to put it on it so we're going to give it a shot nice well, that's cool Yeah. so I, I almost never say no to a material Right. I'll, I'll try a little bit of everything. I tell, I'll tell some folks that it may or may not work because I'm not super experienced with it, but I do a little bit of everything. Right. Is there uh, is there anything that you that 
maybe you will say no to? Is there anything out there that you stay away from? Or uh, I don't like carbon fiber. I work mm. with it. Um, I usually make the customer pick the set themselves because there's so many different varieties of it uh, and so on and so forth, unless they just want plain black carbon fiber. But right. um, carbon fiber is usually the one I, I, I balk on a little bit because it, it blunts everything so quickly. It uh, it itches real bad. The, the, mm. the powder is nasty, to say mm. the least. It just, um, you get done, you're just itchy and feel chalky and right. uh, you can't wash it out of your hands real well. Yeah. It's just, uh, it's just annoying. What about, for, it's like, it's, um, it's usefulness. I mean, is it relatively comparative to another material that you found that you would recommend someone else if they want carbon fiber? You're like, oh, well, we could use carbon fiber. We can also use this. It'll work just as well. Unfortunately, there's nothing quite like carbon fiber. It's yeah. very unique. It's <clears throat> closest would be a G10, but G10 is not as light. And mm-hmm. it doesn't quite have the same pattern. Some guys want right. carbon fiber because it has that modern space age look. Yep. And that's about it. And there's nothing that really mimics it. Uh, so sometimes it's just, the, it's just the, the cosmetics of it is what they're looking for. From right. practicality, it's lightweight. And that's about it. Because mm-hmm. then the McCarters and G10s all do pretty much the same job. Right. Yeah, one of the other um, materials that I, I've seen you use off and on over the years is... Uh, like antler or bone, mm-hmm. and I, I I love the look of that, and I love um, I love the combination of mm-hmm. using a piece of antler, but then uh, in like a uh, a full tying situation where you're yeah. actually working with scales, and I think that it it has such a great that it's a perfect transition, I think, between traditional and modern, mm-hmm. because you know traditionally it would have been a hidden tang, and you would have the entire antler, but I think when you when you flatten it and you have it as a scale, I think it just looks really beautiful, and I. Um, yeah. I love that about some of those knives that you, you're made with them without it. I agree. It's it's um, interesting to work with on a full tang. Um, <laughs> my most of my experience with with antler and stag of any sort was with hidden tangs, mm-hmm. and uh, it was John a badge called Leatherworks that really got me working with stag for full tangs. We have a ZDC pattern that we developed together. And he decided he wanted it to be a real traditional old school look to it, so he wanted stag for it. And he actually sources more most of the stag for his, but uh, it's it's an interesting balance because a lot of times they have to come from sticks mm-hmm. and the shafts and stuff for the beam pieces on antler, mm-hmm. and uh, you get stuff that's very domed, mm-hmm. and uh, they're real thick. And by thinning, by making them thinner, you make them narrower, and uh, you run into all kinds of problems like that. So it's it's interesting to work with when you can do it and you do it right. It is real nice. Yeah, I um, I made a a small uh, knife for my daughter for Christmas last year. Mm-hmm. It was actually based off of uh, another knife maker's pattern design. Guy Ardor knives. He has a knife called the Adam, which I yeah. thought was really beautiful, and I love his small style. And I kind of based my main design off of that. And I uh, I did a um, an acrylic liner, black acrylic liner with. Um, uh, just a, a deer leg bone that we actually she and mm-hmm. I found when we were out kind of foraging around for uh, for materials to make a Thanksgiving um, centerpiece and uh, yeah. it, man it <laughs> I was just lucky enough to get just enough material out of the side of one of those mm-hmm. uh, legs to, you know, because it's domed and there's, there's yep. marrow and it's trying to pull off just enough, just enough to get that. You know, I, and I yeah. didn't even need that much. It was a kid's knife. So I'm only thinking, you know, I only needed maybe a little bit over a quarter inch thick and then mm-hmm. three quarters wide. So even that, it was tough pulling that out. Yeah. It's, uh, it's tough when you're working with round materials. Yeah. Um, one I've been wanting to try that I haven't yet is giraffe bone. Oh yeah, mm. cool. 
Um, Jans has it. They got all kinds of different colors. Um, it's very marbled the way they the way they treat it and they stabilize it and dye it. So it has. Say if you pick a blue piece, it'll be an off white with this marbling of blue going through it. And uh, mm-hmm. draft bone obviously is big enough that you can kind of get around that issue. Right. A lot of the scales are like half inch thick or thicker. Um, but it's just beautiful stuff. I actually saw a couple knives done by uh, Adventure Sworn a while back, yeah. and he had used it. I went, man, he beat me to it. But uh, <laughs> I've been eyeballing it for a while. I just haven't pulled the trigger on it because I have so many other projects going. But, uh, yeah, working with bone, that, that's one I want to try. Yeah, it didn't make your cut list of 40 knife handle materials. <laughs> uh, no. it's <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> the problem is it's, I try, I've le- tried to learn over time to avoid stuff that's kind of sporadic in qual- quantity right. or quality. Yep. yep. Mm. Um, I've fallen in love with some materials, taking orders for it, and then in a nick, couldn't get it anymore. Yeah. It's gone. Mm. Couldn't find anybody to make it or anything. So I was talking to customers and back and forth and trying to trying to find good substitutes, and that's it's just never a good situation. I hate that. Right. And, uh, because they ordered the knife wanting that certain thing, and then, um, so yeah. yeah, trying to offer options at the same time, making sure that they're good, solid, stable, consistent options. Right. Is, uh, it's a challenge. Especially um, in the current world that oh, we're yeah. living in. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, a buddy of mine, um, Sean Porter, he has a, a YouTube channel called Crafting a Life I Want. He just started mm-hmm. not too long ago. He's just getting started in it. He and I are um, are tag teaming two knives for some friends of ours uh, for their, their kids. Yeah. Kind of based off of the knife that I made for my daughter. And um, just looking, we were, we were I, I kind of used off and on different steels and um, he yeah. wanted to try 80 CRV2 for these mm-hmm. knives. So mm-hmm. we were looking and there were a few different places Jance was sold out of 80 CRV2 CRV2 and mm-hmm. and then some other places we were able to find it some places some if you're trying to buy a small amount then you're going to get charged 15 or 20 bucks <laughs> yeah. for shipping no matter what so <laughs> trying to balance that out but it's definitely yeah, this, if you need this, small this quantities of steel mm-hmm. broadball stuff like that <clears throat> alpha knife supply alpha okay absolutely fantastic um very high quality on everything um they have their stuff thermal cycled the annealing process that's done on it means that it's ready to harden you don't have to worry about normalizing annealing or anything yeah which is real nice it's in the oven uh for the set amount of time quenched in the oil done and uh they shipped like same day um and i always have the stuff within about four days of ordering it it's it's fantastic they charge you exactly what it costs to ship it the pieces come at like 11 inches long yeah or 23 inches i remember correctly Mm-hmm. So um, they're small pieces. So if you want small projects, you want big projects, they got a little bit of everything. So yeah, nice. if you're looking for like 80 Series 2, 1095, 52100, yep. 15 and 20, 1084, and you just want a little bit, they're the place to go. Gotcha. Awesome. So I've been using them for yet. years, and I've always been happy with their steel. Nice. And Chuck, take good care of you. Right on. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. I just wrote that down because <laughs> he and I, we met, we met together on... Uh, was that just last night just to kind of come up with some design <laughs> ideas and just mm-hmm. go through you know what we wanted to do together and kind of figure out who mm-hmm. would do what and you know but um we were looking at a few different places just trying to find you know economically you know save ourselves some money so we're not maybe yeah. the other thing is like we're we're both enjoy you know we're both hobbyist knife makers so mm-hmm. we're also willing to buy additional steel to fill out what we have in our quantities at our shops yeah. but um i appreciate that um one of the one of the things that I wanted to mention um, is that uh, one of the YouTubers that I like and that I watch yeah. pretty regularly is Joe Robinette. Oh, yeah. And Joe has had a couple of your knives over the years. 
He I has about him on his channel. Um, I'm sorry. Is there is there like a uh, you guys have a relationship or is just he's just reached out because he's seen uh, our knives or I'm curious. About he that. Uh, he heard about me, if I remember correctly, first from One Tree Leather, oh, okay. who is a sheath maker up in uh, he's outside of Vancouver, Canada. And a real nice guy, Aaron is his name. He's a really, really nice guy. He's a customer of mine, and he's done leather work for Robinette and had mentioned me to him. And uh, he, Robinette had actually contacted me nice. about maybe making a knife for him, so on and so forth. And before I actually got, got to it, because I was so swamped in orders at the time, he went and bought something off my website. And uh, <laughs> In fact, if you see the minimalist he carries uh, occasionally, he actually just bought that off my website randomly. That's, that's and uh, See, not, not a... A huge connection, a relationship there. Just um, he liked him and bought one, and I had sent him one for testing and playing around with. And he's the type of man he takes. He likes to keep it off camera for a long time before you see it, right? Which I definitely appreciate about him. Yeah. And uh, to my understanding, he's been enjoying him. Yeah, yeah. I, I was uh, when he first, when you know, when like I said, I had been kind of following him off, you know, for years, and then following you for years separately, mm-hmm. and then I heard him. You know, pulled it out one time. I was like, "This is knife is from AA Forge." I was like, "No mm. way, that's great!" Yeah, I love. It. I was like, "That's so yeah, he's, cool!" Like, what a great connection. I think. You know, oh, yeah, he's I, a I real nice guy. Guys. In fact, even yeah. back during the um, back during the lockdown, he made a point to mention, give me a little plug in one of his videos, just to try to, to put his part in and keep my sales up a little bit. That's great. Word, you know, with everything going on, the craziness back in March and all that. Yeah. And uh, he was kind enough. Just he just gave me a little plug, and uh, real nice guy. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Yeah. I was definitely you, thankful for that. You would think with the end of the world coming, people would want more <laughs> knives. Now. <laughs> yes, actually, I was kind of surprised how many more people did want knives. <laughs> to be honest with you, apparently there's some stuff going on. We, uh, who knows? <laughs> yeah, um, I've had uh, I've had everything from orders from men who said that, well, their fun money had to change accounts no. to mm. the world is ending. I need a blade. <laughs> yeah, like, so okay. it's been it's been an interesting year. In fact, it's been. I mean, as a small business owner, every small business, doesn't matter what it is, unless you sell survival supplies specifically, mm-hmm. you're right. a little worried about this year in some way, mm-hmm. uh, especially come March. And uh, I have been shocked at how good of a year we've actually had business-wise. Um, I mean, there's always ups and downs month, but month to month and everything else when you're self-employed. You got it more expenses one month than you're planning on and all that stuff. But uh, right. it's actually been a pretty decent year. Nice. Yeah, you know, if you're selling car tires, maybe not mm-hmm. so good. But when you're selling knives, you're, you're doing all right. Toward, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> people aren't craziness. driving. They're out in the woods. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Which is a good thing. Um, Less car accidents, more fun with knives. Right. <laughs> right. I guess, uh, speaking of disasters, we like to have all of our guests tell a good oh, disaster boy. story in their in their maker background, I guess. It's a it's just a, uh, a fun way to... Um, we're all human. We all mess yeah. up where crazy stuff happens to us all. <laughs> uh, where to start? <laughs> um, well, I will say this for you guys, for anybody out there who's, who listens to this and is making knives and is kind of past the, the beginner stage and into the intermediate stage, I guess you'd say, hmm. uh, you tend to make less catastrophic mistakes. Mm-hmm. Obviously, life happens. We're all human. But uh, you kind of get to the point where you start perfecting things a little bit and so on and so forth and kind of learn a little better but yeah definitely learning there's going to be some catastrophes um one that has always stuck out in my mind is actually the i think the 10th knife i had forged Hmm. and i was using coal at the time anybody has any idea with blacksmithing knows exactly where i'm going with this yeah um Hmm. i was using coal to forge at the time 
and I got distracted. I don't remember what it was, and I had it in just a little bit too long. And I looked over and I saw this spark come out of the the coal. I went, uh oh, jerked it out, and I had half a knife. Oh man, I knew that's what you're gonna say. <laughs> all I saw was half a knife and what looked like a, a little sparkler, <laughs> sparking all over the place and dripping steel. And I learned that day that coal gets a little hotter than I thought it did. And uh, so yeah, but I mean, you had some catastrophic stuff like that, or yeah. what's kind of a it's just as catastrophic but it's kind of overlooked at times it's, it's like if you're doing a, a kitchen knife it was one of my early kitchen knives maybe i don't know six years ago and uh, trying to be real careful and grinding it down getting the edge nice and thin and all of a sudden before you know it color burn oh. the temper right out of the blade mm. i mean talking about a knife that's almost done and i've spent eight hours on this thing or more mm. just trying to put final touches on the bevel and burn out the heat treat yeah, can, can uh, that, that gut wrench geometry thin and ugh. oh, because that's the thing with a kitchen knife. You're trying to get it thin, and yep. you get it thin, it heats quicker. Mm-hmm. And that's something, especially early on, you have to learn careful, because <laughs> heat yeah. builds really, really fast, <laughs> and uh, you've got to keep it in the water. And so, and I thought I was, but I, you know, knew at it and, and not knowing much, and um, yeah, burned the temper right out of a long. kitchen knife I was working. I was I was really happy with it right up to that moment, and I I got a little bit upset. Um, that might be an understatement, but I was a little bit upset. Still stuck in the wall next to your grinder. And then go through the concrete, actually. <laughs> nice. Yeah, it, it was one of those days. It was, you know, everything was going wrong except for that knife, and then all of a sudden, that oh. knife. That's killing. So yeah, I'm just cringing. There's, over here. Uh, there's all like I said. It's just when you've been doing this long, it's just all endless stories like that. Yep. Um, I had one actually not too long ago. Come to think of it. Um, Doing a glue up on, an, on a custom order, <clears throat> and I've glued up uh, four or five thousand knives at this point. I'm not sure exactly the exact number, mm-hmm. um, and I'm just doing everything like normal. And brass is one of my favorite pin materials to work with. It's it's real nice, and it, it's nice because it has a touch of give too. If your holes are just, I mean, sometimes just the slightest bit off because a drill bit moved in the grain of the wood or something. Mm-hmm. Um, nice thing about brass, it'll flex and it kind of slips on through anyway. Well, this day it didn't want to. And I don't like tapping scales on. <clears throat> I just don't do it. I like using a, a vise, and I slowly press them on. So I'm taking my time. I'm going slow. Uh, no chance of anything being shocked or dented or bent or anything of that nature. Just being real careful. And I get done with it, and something doesn't look right. And I flip it around the other side, and I realized, instead of the pin taking the path of least resistance through the pre-drilled hole, it went through the wood <laughs> and essentially oh. nailed the scale to the knife. Oh, <laughs> I, I was sitting there looking at it first with the confused how in the world did this just happen and then I, then the frustration set in that I had to rip the handle off that I just spent all this time prepping oh. and uh, start all over with glue everywhere and the mess and all that so yeah it uh, every now and then you just have those days <laughs> yeah, and that's one of the reasons why. And what I mentioned to you is that we love to we love to hear disaster stories, and we you know <laughs> yeah. we told our own disaster stories when we were first starting the podcast. It's just it's the reality. You know, we all we all have those days. Everybody has those yeah. things. And like you said, even the the longer you do it, you they mm. build up. You have more mm. and more of them. Obviously, mm. like you said, you you learn. You know, they're smaller. They're less catastrophic over the years. But uh, yeah. well, they're there. You know, we all we all have the reality that people starting off night making for the first time. You, know, you might have something, and don't get distur- yeah. discouraged. You know, we all been there. Absolutely. Yeah. We, yeah. You can't let the little the little mistakes, even the big ones, to to hold you back. It's one of those. Just make it a stepping stone and learn from it. Yep. Um, one of the um, 
I wanted to reference one more knife before we yeah. kind of get to the end of the podcast. Uh, just recently, um, within the last maybe week or two, you posted a post on Instagram um, that was titled, or you you captured it as uh, "cream cheese stuffed chicken." And on yeah. that post, you had this beautiful little paring knife. And I was like, whoo, zoomed in on it. I was like, man, look at this mm-hmm. beautiful little knife. Is that one of yours? Is that a, a newer one, an older one? or That is my wife's. All right. I made that for her uh, right after we got married, actually. Remember, it's <clears throat> actually been about six years since I made it for her now. Ah, and we yeah. just passed our six-year anniversary back in October. And it was, it was somewhere like November, December-ish that I made it for her. Um, yep. Yeah, it's just a just a little pairing knife, kind of Japanese-ish designed or influenced. Yep. Um, O1 tool steel, hand-sanded, the whole thing's hand-sanded to a nice uh, hand-rub satin finish, yep. brass bolster, and a dark uh, roasted curly maple handle. And uh, she's been using it now for six years, and it's holding up good. Uh, yeah, it's beautiful. <laughs> it has a, does it have a little uh, brass pin running through it as well? Yeah, one little okay. mosaic pin. Yep. Yeah, what a, it's just a beautiful little knife, and like I said, I think for all, I've, I've always been inspired by your knives, but you know, occasionally one will pop up where I look at, like, oh man, look at that! Yeah, like, it's, you still surprise me. You're still inspired. Me. It's beautiful. Well, she keeps she keeps telling me I need to make more of those. I said, by the time I right. made it, nobody wanted one. <laughs> nobody. It's like everybody went, yeah, it's a kitchen knife. I moved on. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and now, now my wife, she's she loves to cook, and she's getting in. in involved she's always helped me with instagram as far as keeping up with stuff but then she she loves cooking outdoors and everything so she's she's trying to help with more posts and more activity on instagram and yeah. throwing the stuff she's cooking that's that was one of the meals she came up with last minute last week and uh now all of a sudden she's using them and putting them in pictures people want them yeah, <laughs> yeah that's right. great i guess so i gotta make to, some you have to name the line after your wife or just call it the newlywed <laughs> there you go <laughs> <laughs> yeah most people they get a kick out of when she puts stuff up because she always she's always signed at the wife <laughs> uh, right yeah exactly i saw that the wife yeah yeah, yeah. a lot of people who know her name they're a couple i guess right but, uh, yeah she yeah, likes it great. it's kind of her little inside joke i guess <laughs> yeah, I, I i was one of the notes i wrote down was to maybe talk to you about the the food you know posts and stuff mm-hmm. you put up because i've i've seen them off and on you know more recently and yeah great you know it's just like more outdoor living and just you know shows again back to just your relationship with working outside and yeah, it does, we, it does a good job to bring bring it back to that idea. Yeah, we both we're both very outdoorsy. We just we love being out as much as we can, and she loves to cook over the fire. She yeah. loves cooking outside, so it uh, it just works mm. out well. She never th- she said she joked about it because they did a lot of that growing up, outdoor cooking and so on and so forth. And she said she never would have imagined marrying a knife maker, <laughs> and it just being part of the business. <laughs> and it's good for advertising, and we enjoy doing it. And as well, we can help our business and have a good meal at the same time. <laughs> so it's worked out well. <laughs> That's perfect. Um, all right, so let's do some recommendations. Um, I'm yep. going to start out. I've been watching. Uh, Dustin and I have been talking about upgrading our camera gear. Um, I love the Nikons we have now, mm-hmm. um, and it's a nice image, but we think it's time to maybe go to 4K and start trying some other things and other avenues where we can... Uh, like you say, Adam, continue to bump our quality mm-hmm. up. Even if we're somewhat happy with what we have now, we want to just yeah. keep um, keep advancing. So there's this guy, uh, Kai or K, K-A-I-W. Um, hmm. He jumps between uh, London and Korea, I think. Um, and he's just a great camera reviewer. Really funny. Yeah. 
really quality stuff. Um, and pretty much every time I go to look at cameras and camera gear, I go to him. So uh, check him out. Anyone who's looking for either still photography or video or getting into YouTube, yeah. he he goes over the stuff really, really well. And uh, he doesn't talk over you. He doesn't yeah. talk down to you. It's a nice right in the middle. He'll give you all the stats that you can understand it in a funny package. So check him out. I will do. All right. Adam, you have a recommendation of ours? Hmm. And, uh, uh, in the specific subject? Uh, no, I, I would say just, um, you know, you know, you've, you've actually referenced quite a few different people and books and maybe yeah, someone it, who's inspired you over the years or someone who on Instagram that you want to shout out. Well, as far as, um, <clears throat> a good recommendation for a book for a new knife maker, I would definitely recommend $50 knife shop. Yep. Um, because it's not so much the projects he does as the mindset he gives you. Because the idea is, for $50, you can make a good knife. Mm. Um, you don't have to have the fancy stuff. And he shows you, he has a lot of improvised tools and hollow grinding jigs and all kinds of things that are um, really outside the box. And I, I really enjoyed it when I was a kid and, and got that book. In fact, I have another copy now. Um, it's just, it's a good book for a beginner. Um, and as far What's, as, uh, like on Instagram... <clears throat> some knife makers and different ones. I follow so many knife makers because I just, I admire, I admire the craft. Um, I drive my wife nuts because if I'm not making knives, I'm watching YouTube videos on knives and, <laughs> and all that. Um, I can't help it. I just, I love the craft of it. And uh, I'm trying to think. There are, there are so many knife makers on there that are really, really good. I'm trying to think of somebody in particular that stands out. Someone like Ben Orford, for example, is uh, of Orford Knives. Yep. He's someone who really, really inspired me on the quality of your work. Yeah. He's got a YouTube channel and an Instagram page, and he's um, he's got a, a way of presenting his videos that he's given you some very complicated crafting techniques, but he makes it seem so simple, mm -hmm. and he just puts it in a way that you can understand it. Mm -hmm. uh, and he even has started some instructional videos for knife making recently, just showing how he does some things. And uh, I can attest, because I have one of his knives, I know him. He's he's kind of a knife making friend of mine. He's a good man, does good work, and uh, just enjoy following his stuff. All right, awesome. Nice. Uh, what's the uh, What's the author of Fifty Dollar Knife Shop? Do you know off the top? Wayne Goodard. Wayne Goodard. All right. Um, and I will finish up. Um, it's one we referenced earlier. Um, Brute to Forge, and one oh, yeah. of the one of the knife makers that I. I really enjoy and have um, kind of followed over the years and then also really enjoy his YouTube channel, which he started up recently is Jason Knight. Now oh, yeah. Jason Knight has, you know, he's got some, some acclaim because he was on Forged and Fire and he's got his mm -hmm. podcast and uh, frustratingly he started a, pod, a uh, YouTube recently and then it's mm -hmm. like just growing, growing, his channel is growing super fast, but, uh, <laughs> but um, <laughs> he's a very eccentric character. He is. Yeah. He's, <laughs> he's got a great personality, but he just oh, yeah. uh, posted a new video to days ago which is a uh, knife making five dollars to two thousand dollar junkyard mm -hmm. knife and uh i watched the first episode it's just super fun it's just him kind of walking around in the junkyard mm -hmm. and my wife it's like he sounds like either a surfer or he's he's kind of high <laughs> like well i think that's just the way jason like that's just his person that's the way he talks he does <laughs> oh, kind of yeah. have that relaxed um you know kind of ability to come across but it was it's really captivating and fun to see what he's pulling 
from the junkyard and, mm-hmm. and you know antique shops and stuff and i'm just i'm i'm intrigued to see where it's going to go so that's my recommendation for this week is uh jason knight on youtube and uh, i will post a link to his video part one of the junkyard knife yeah i'm looking forward to how that old butcher knife is getting incorporated yeah right exactly <laughs> he's like this is kind of cool mm-hmm. <laughs> it's got to be some type of tool steel yeah uh, all right. Well, Adam, thank you so much, man. Um, oh, I appreciate this it. has been a pleasure. Uh, I love that we got to know you a little bit better. And like I said, you know, you've been an inspiration for me as a knife maker for a long time as well. Um, so it's great that. to get to chat and hear a little bit about your background. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what's, what's the, um, what's the Instagram name officially? There's a lot of underscores, Adam. <laughs> what, what is it? Instagram force the underscores. But it's, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think it's AA underscore forge underscore handcrafted knives. All right. And what's, yeah, I don't remember uh, the exact underscores at the moment, <laughs> but it's, it's AA forge handcrafted knives. Yeah. And right. I'll, I'll obviously put a link in the description of the video, uh, the yeah. video um, details. And also, if you guys want to find Adam there, definitely find him on Instagram and then, uh, and your website. Uh, AAForge.com. A whole lot simpler than Instagram. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But yeah. I, well, I definitely appreciate it. I've enjoyed this. That's great. That's yeah, fun. Fun for and sure. You are super flexible. I know we. I reached out to you um, maybe about a month or so ago, and there were a couple times yeah. where we almost were able to do it. And you know, we we definitely appreciate uh, it. Family and kids, and when yep. you're self-employed, you learn to roll with the punches and work with it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, we had there was one a couple of weeks ago where Devin had just had a baby, and mm-hmm. we were trying to squeeze in one more, or maybe we were trying to squeeze yep. in a podcast right before it, and and I was like, why don't we reach out to Adam and see? Like, I've been there. It didn't work out, but you, know, you were like, I know, and I've got three kids. So, <laughs> all right, yeah. everybody. Well, thank you all so much for listening. Uh, this has been fun. Um, you guys can find us on Insta uh, on Instagram at the Art of Craftsmanship, and you can also find us on YouTube at the Art of Craftsmanship. Uh, if you are so inspired and you want to support the channel and the podcast, you guys can also find us on uh, Patreon uh, backslash the Art of Craftsmanship. Uh, we're also on the Maker Network, and there's lots of awesome podcasters on the Maker Network, so we really appreciate everybody listening. And uh, go check those guys out as well, because it's just a great group of people who are inspired by making things and by makers and really want to kind of push that avenue of what we all do. Um, so once again, Adam, thank you so much. Yeah. Devin, it's always a pleasure to chat with you, my brother. <laughs> and uh, we will talk to you guys all next time. If you like this show, take a look at our other shows made for makers just like you at www.makery.network. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low, net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.